This is Free Gems, a podcast where we take a deep dive into life, the parts we've figured out, the pieces we haven't, and the gems found in between. I am your host, Aniafe Isis. Let's dig in. Share freely, mind irresponsibly. Welcome back to Free Gems. This episode is episode one, part two, and before we get into it, allow me to drop the 411. Free Gems podcast is brought to you by EXI Concepts, a creative house specializing in building ideas. EXI is also one of my creative children, and this podcast is one of two concepts that myself and Creative Alliances have brought to light. The other concept, as you may know, is All Her Words, a platform dedicated to amplifying the voices of a fuller spectrum of women. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of being joined by Osha McCall, one of my creative partners and co-producer of Free Gems. Osha is no stranger to these podcast streets. Her sultry voice can be heard over on her podcast, Something About Sunday. (laughs) Hi. Hi. (laughs) What up, what up? That sultry voice thing is so... I hope to not disappoint now that you've... You laid the foundation. You for that. won't. It's it's not possible because it just you know it is it is the essence of OSHA. <laughs> like it just it 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 already is. Ashe and all the things. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm really happy to have you here. Congratulations. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. So, part two. I I listened to the first part, of course. Mm-hmm. And although I know you personally, as we're as we're beginning this budding friendship, I have questions that I want to ask and that some of your listeners may want to have answers to as well. Yes. So I think I have some answers. I, I, I think you do too. <laughs> so thinking about where we left off, you were talking about this person, this this entity, this this name kept coming up, ISIS, ISIS, mm-hmm, ISIS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for some who follow you, on a personal note may have seen the name mm-hmm. and for those that are meeting you I know when I first met you I feel like I met you as Isis mm-hmm. who is this who is this person where did this name come from is this an alias is this like give, I would like more information around like who who is this Isis person <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I don't think I made clear on episode one is that Isis isn't just an arbitrary name that okay. I you know pulled um out of thin air isis is actually one of my middle names just one just one so um my father named me i am yerba so eniafe biafe is my full first name okay so eniafe is the part of my first it's it's like my nickname Mm -hmm. mostly family or people who knew me before high school call me Eniafe. Okay. Amy is then a shorter version of Eniafe. <laughs> There's more. Okay. And then Isis is the first middle name. Adedayo is the second. Adola is the is the third. And then it's my last name. Wow. Okay. So when I went to high school and I wanted to kind of um get rid of this wounded 
version of myself and start a new story, I started going by ISIS. Okay. So that's when ISIS happened. And then, okay. yeah, that's how so that goes. ISIS is the first middle name. Correct. Okay. And did that have anything to do with it being the easiest name for people to pronounce as well? Absolutely. Okay. Um, my mom used to be really annoyed with me when she'd hear people mispronounce Eniafe. Mm. And she would never, like once I got old enough to correct people, she wouldn't step in on my behalf to correct them. But she definitely kind of gave me that black mama you need behind your name the, the, the skin <laughs> of your forearm pinch and whisper in my ear and say, you better correct them. Why aren't you correcting them? Yeah. But I think on top of, it just called out my difference even more. Mm-hmm. And now I'll say it called out my uniqueness because now my name, now I you know. carry my name, you know, in a prideful way. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a badge of honor. But growing up, it was not a badge of honor. It was almost like, you know, a, a version of the scarlet letter. Mm-hmm. Like it called out my identity, mm-hmm. which in the environment in Riverside County at that time, with it not being culturally diverse, mm-hmm. was a difference for which, you know, I was ridiculed and ostracized for. So I wanted to be as far away from that as possible. Yeah. So that's how that went. I understand that. I remember when I first met you, obviously following you on social media, seeing your your name and not knowing how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But because my name is Osha, four letters, very easy to pronounce and spell, and people have slaughtered that for forever. It's really important for me mm-hmm. when I see someone with a unique name to know how to pronounce it mm-hmm. and not call them by a nickname. Right. So it's interesting that you say that, and I understand why you why you did it, especially mm-hmm. just being young. We We wish we had names like Amy and... Brandy or Marie mm-hmm. and then you get older and you embrace because that's beautiful to have so many names and I'm I'm assuming they all have meaning yes they as do as well so mm-hmm. in terms of the culture that you're stepping into and the heritage that you that you're learning about and that you mm-hmm. were birthed into mm-hmm. how does the selection of like the name happen in the Yoruba culture so of what I know, and I've read up a, a bit on it, but this is what I know from my mother talking about it, just being around you know other Nigerians, other family that talks about it, is that traditionally there's a naming ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, names are given to the child by elders. And the name is significant because y- Yoruba believe that the child becomes that name. So my, and a lot of the names are traditional. So for mm-hmm. instance, like my father's name is Iduwu and don't, and if I remember correctly, his name means child born after twins. Okay. And so that's like a very traditional. So there's a lot of, you know, Nigerians that you will see Iduwu because it's the child okay. born after twins. There's also, you know, names that mean like child born at sunrise or at night or whatnot. Okay. So my name as the story is told, my father kind of weaved together to 
to make the syllable to make the name mean what it means, mm. which is the one to be loved like the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think my mom says that he took a long time to name me because he kept on changing it. And as my due date approached, she was like, all right, <laughs> like we have to put a name yeah. on this birth certificate. So how this is going to go is you're going to land on a name. <laughs> and, you know, that's it. And I, he wanted my mom to contribute a name. He wanted my sister to contribute a name. And my mom was like, no, no, I think we're good. We're, we're good. You got this. And I believe it was my grandmother, his mother, who gave me ISIS. Wow. I believe um, that's dope. Yeah. That's really dope. So, that there is the name. I'm not calling you Isis, so. <laughs> like, oh, you don't really know her that well. Isis. It's actually funny now because people are like, okay, so what do you want me to call you? And I'm like, hey, it's a bag of treats. You pick. I know my name. <laughs> and I have a lot of, and I have a lot of nicknames just over the years. So, um, okay. there's a lot. It gets, it gets pretty funny when like my family and my friends are together. Some people are calling me Amy. Some people are calling me Isis. Some people are calling me Icy. Then you have the Amy Isis, which is what my family calls me as a joke. And it's just, it's funny. So. I love it. I love, I feel like nicknames is what makes like each of us special. So I appreciate yes. that you used a name that you already own that was already a part of you and then you know mm-hmm. us, us folks we like to all the variations yeah. of the name everybody can feel special mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so another part of the episode that i've heard some about just personally and then of course falling into the episode and really digging into who you are because i think that this this is what these parts are about introducing yourself and sharing your journey Mm -hmm. i appreciate with everything that i've seen you do how i feel like i can connect to it Mm -hmm. and that was the the greatest influence for me with doing a podcast Mm -hmm. is creating a space where i could share stories and like life hacks hoping that people felt like they weren't alone yes and so something that you were talking about the time where you realize it was time for you to come back home yeah. and being able to give language to things that I think a lot of us are just being able to speak to mm-hmm. things like depression, anything around mental health were these was this language that you had always had all along or did you kind of wake up in the meantime of that space and just like this is not really normal something is is happening here like did you have anybody that called it out for you like how did you so my mom, especially while being in New York, my mom would call out these seasons in my behavior, let's say, mm-hmm. as a reflection of when the seasons would change. Hmm. She, When I would talk to her and she would hear that I was going through one of my kind of seasons, she would reflect and say, oh, okay, we're going into fall. We're going into mm-hmm. winter. So you're you're going into one of your seasons and I think when she first started saying that like I took it with a grain of thought or a grain of salt um like mom just okay whatever can you help me with whatever I'm going through Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because I've started to go back into like my journals and my first journal that I started was in 1999 I was 14 and I talk about depression I talk about my feelings, but I didn't start calling it that until I started going to therapy in 2000. 
18, I believe it was. And in middle school and high school, I had a spiritual advisor, but we talked about things on a, on a very spiritual level. So it wasn't given a name. It was just, again, mm-hmm. as you know, a season. Mm-hmm. But what I think was important about going to therapy and calling the thing a thing was that then it could be addressed as that thing. Mm-hmm. And I know it was very unsettling to my mother when I started def- referring to it as depression, but I had to explain to her, like, Mom, there's no shame in this. And honestly, now that I know what it is, it's actually very freeing mm-hmm. because now I know, like, I know I'm not crazy. I know this is a very real thing. And I also know that it's a thing that a lot of us experience Mm -hmm. more than we talk about. Absolutely. And of course, this happened in stages, you know, for me. I think I felt very bad about even being someone who experienced depression. Because it's something that I think usually we attribute to the quote-unquote weak or not Mm strong-minded but one thing that also I learned in therapy is that there are different types of depression there are clinical depression Mm -hmm. um then you know that has to do with um our chemicals in our body Mm -hmm. and it's something that really is beyond our control and then what was my case is that it's more spiritually uh rooted in the fact that I was not responding to spirit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't responding to myself and just like my inner deeply rooted needs. So this this was kind of like the universe coming to me and saying, okay, now, girl, mm-hmm. you are a spiritually rooted person and you are not rooted in yourself. Mm-hmm. So this is, this, this is what that separation feels mm-hmm. like. And so... Um, Calling it depression, identifying what it is, understanding the mechanics of it, the layers of it, the intricacies of it, was something really powerful to me for me. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting that you speak of it that way, though, too, because obviously, me talking about my own stuff mm-hmm. with other friends, learning about what it looks like for each person. For me, when I'm not in rhythm with the universe, mm-hmm. that's when I when I'm going through it mm-hmm. and I'm, from the outside the world looks wonderful for me but when I'm not meditating when mm-hmm. I'm not grounded literally touching the ground if I'm not chanting if I'm not praying mm-hmm. if I'm not tapping into my source yes that's that's when everything unravels for me yeah. and I can easily identify it and still just be like nah it's cool like I'm just having an off day like, like I'm good you know, this day will turn into mm-hmm. a season real quick there was one question that I addressed on part one talking about how my heritage uh you know has influenced just who and how I am and you talking about like grounding Mm -hmm. things that that we did growing up that we didn't call anything it was just we did that and Mm -hmm. we did a lot of grounding Mm -hmm. um we were never my mom didn't really like us to be in the house with no shoes on because we had tile floor so it was very cold but it was always a thing to walk outside barefoot. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I um, spoke to someone who practices Reiki, which now in hindsight, I understand that my grandfather practiced wow. as part of his 
Shizendu, his, mar- his, his martial arts and healing practice. And a lot, and she was talking about, you know, grounding, like, have you grounded today? And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she, you know, gave me the definition. I was like, oh, I, I have to, I have to do that all the time, but I didn't, I didn't know that was what it was called. It was a thing, yeah. You know, but that was definitely a thing growing up. That's beautiful. I appreciate that about, like, when your family is rooted in, in culture and community and spirituality we just do things Mm -hmm. that we don't have names for and we don't know why we do them but we know that we need to do them yes and i've seen you like and that's a beautiful thing to me when black people don't wear shoes because it means something different for for other people like you don't Mm -hmm. go outside barefoot like i do though especially in some grass or the sand i think that's I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How much more yes. do I want to get out of your business? I don't know that your listeners want to know you like that, so maybe oh boy. We'll, we'll, we'll be about to go. Into, I mean, so it's it's May, Mental Health Month. May is also Masturbation Month. <laughs> so I feel like, Lord. I feel like it's... And so what I'm going to do with that in terms of Mental Health and Masturbation Month, I feel like Let's there are ways it. to speak to the way that you care for yourself. Yeah. From a mental health perspective, from a self care perspective, mm-hmm. is what we'll call the, that that mm-hmm. other piece. So, how do you feel like you show up for yourself the easiest? Mm. What's the easiest way for you to say I, I need to do some work for self today? This is what mm-hmm. I can do, and it's easy. And what's something that's super beneficial for you that's the hardest for you to do for yourself? So before quarantine the hardest was to really take time to make myself feel good Mm -hmm. and I'm not just even talking about it you know in terms of masturbation although as I've gotten older and gotten just more free in my in like my sexuality and it's interesting that I had to get here because I did not grow up in a home where that was taboo Mm -hmm. I truth be told I told my mom that I lost my virginity before I told my sister and my sister was hella like really you told mommy before you told me like what kind of shit is that Mm -hmm. um but that but that's that's how free we you know we were Mm -hmm. but I think moving to New York at 16 and then receiving all these other just social cues about women and sex and whatnot it everything got muddled Mm -hmm. and then it became more about like so socialization you know and and how we think of that Mm -hmm. so anyway I digress so it's really hard for me to take time and like for instance take a bath I grew up Mm -hmm. taking baths we didn't really use the shower growing up so you know from a young age you know my mom would give me baths and then she always took baths and so I took baths and that was like that was that was time to sit and usually we had a tape player in the bathroom Mm -hmm. like an old school cassette and like that's when I discovered Nancy Wilson Mm -hmm. oh my goodness that's that's probably the memories of listening to that tape lady with a song like just thinking about that settles me and Mm -hmm. calms me also um Sade, Mary J. Blige, yes. Share My World. Woo, that was my album. 
So taking time for myself is something that's super hard to do. And what's easy for me to do is be of service to others. Nah. Yeah. Always. I hear that. Always. I hear that. Yeah, the whole being that you are such a planner and a producer and a creator, you would think, well, I've experienced it with other friends who are creative. The burnout is real. So it's amazing to me how it isn't just, well, it's not amazing. It's human nature for us to be able to give and be of service to others before Mm -hmm. we're being of service to ourselves. With this time in the quarantine, we're almost two months into this. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've you've probably had your share of spaces where, you know, Mm co-working, maybe working from home. Has this time, what has this time taught you about yourself? So a lot of things happened leading up to this time that I think again was like divine timing and divine curation and divine curation is this term that that I would say my girlfriend Ashley Stewart who is a very talented graphic designer she lives in Atlanta coined and she would point it out to me when I would start working on like does my personal project ideas and I would make a mistake on something and she'd be like no but that's actually dope and so she started calling it like divine curation like they're mm-hmm. mistakes but they actually it's this is it like yeah it's yeah. the shit so there was a couple of things uh I started working with a client and on a project that basically allowed me to prove to myself how incredibly talented I was And then I had a conversation with a good friend where he basically told me about myself and the ways in which I dim my own light Mm -hmm. and was just basically like, I don't want to see that anymore in 2020. You know, like I saw that in 2019 and like, I'm not going to be here to witness that. Yeah. And he said a few other choice things that really hurt because they tapped into like insecurities and like battles, but I receive them. Mm -hmm. And I think the way the universe is set up and timing, I like they they entered me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I received them. And it caused me to basically say, okay, it ain't worked. So something has to be different and Mm -hmm. you have to be the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's time. Like you've been I'd been saying I I want XYZ. I want this. I want to build this. And it's like what's keeping me from building? Me. Right. So this time now, especially since a no kind of events going on, mm-hmm. has allowed me to only think about me. And so my mind has time to do all the things that it normally does, which is create, mm-hmm. create the idea, write all the things, flesh out all the ideas. And my ideas got ideas. My thoughts got I thought, got their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can, without feeling guilty and without feeling like me letting my mind do its thing is taking away from me doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing that also pay the bills... I get to do those things and now have also been able to shift and say, okay, this can actually pay the bills. Like if you take the time Mm -hmm. to lay the foundation and build the road, Mm -hmm. you know, as they say, if you build it, they will come. Then I can do that. And so that's what it's, it's given me. 
and but I do have to say this I do believe wholeheartedly that I am a vessel there were there's gifts that were decided to be given to me Mm -hmm. long before I understood them as my gifts and that was a decision that was made by powers greater than I am Mm -hmm. and so I don't take ownership of things because this is my purpose and the fact that I'm the vessel that this these things are supposed to flow through so I'm just I'm doing the service Mm -hmm. that's beautiful yeah I love it how are we doing? How are we doing? Okay, we're at 26. You know what so. time it is. You know what time it is. I'm hyped. <laughs> One thing that we will be doing at the end of every Free Gems episode is something called Deep End. So we have a list of right now about 14 questions, and we'll do them as a rapid fire. The guest, in this case, Osho, will ask me she's chosen how many questions four. did you choose she's chosen four questions that she will pum pum fire off at me and i will answer i do not know which one she chose and so that's gonna be the ending to this i'm lightweight a little nervous are you yeah i am oh, you even this. though i like i created these questions yeah, yeah like exactly so it's, it's, okay. I'm, I'm gonna start to switch them up mm-hmm. switch up the order what is your sermon my sermon is to serve your soul and if you are not aware of what your soul needs desires wants is important what makes it light up stay lit come alive be on fire then that's a part Mm -hmm. of your life's work and serving your soul does not mean that that service has to make you money serving your soul means that you are grounded and rooted in yourself and that you are living life alive Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that enables you to do all the other things to show up for other people to show up for your job to show up for for your children and just like play all the other roles because you are lit mm-hmm. and happy. Boom. That's my sermon. Sermon. I know, you, I know you had this. What what do you expect of yourself? Now my expectation of myself is to be gentle and forgiving. I'm probably no I am the hardest person on myself like I will beat myself down to the ground so I expect that I do better because I know better Mm -hmm. and that I be gentle with me and that I be forgiving because I give my very best and I do the best that I can I feel that that's that Virgo placement in your life right it's I have it too Mm -hmm. luckily I've blessed everything you have. <laughs> it's hard out here. I'd be like, how did I, why did I say that? Right. Um, what do you hold sacred? Love. Hmm. Easy. And love as a connection. Like a deep, sacred 
bond and connection. That's shit I like. I don't know if y'all heard her say that. <laughs> Last but not least, and I feel like I know this answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who Who's your lifeline? First, my mother, and then my sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And let me say this about OG. <laughs> the name that our girl from Melinda, Moomin Mansion, so lovingly gave my mother, which she does not like. She doesn't like being referred to as a gangster, gangster. but she is. <laughs> I was reading this journal from 1999, and I talk about how I cannot wait to get out of my mother's house. So this relationship that we have now as women, Mm -hmm. my mom and I are very different. I'm hella sensitive and emotional. Mm -hmm. She is not. It's cut, dry, tell it like it is, point blank, period. I'm going to come at you at your neck Mm -hmm. with all the truth and the honesty. And I'm like, but mom, why do you have to do that? Mm -hmm. And so we, we really used to go at it. We really like at one point in high school, I wanted to go live with my sister. Hmm. We're 11 years apart. So she was, you know, already living on her own. And we just we really butted heads. But regardless, though. My mom was my ride or die. That's beautiful. So she for sure is my lifeline. Yeah, the relationship that you two have, I really admire. And that also gives me hope as well because I think mother-daughter relationships are just really complicated in they general. are it's hella layered and depending on what kind of work your mother has done really can shift what kind of relationship the two of you get to have well and one thing I will say about my mother and we're going to do an episode with my mother and my sister and I and then an episode with my mother and my niece <laughs> who we call Judy Jr. because they are so much alike but they have decades between each other but she believes that we as her children are also her teachers. So we did not grow up in a home where like our voice was silenced and or deemed unvaluable. Mm. Yes, you were going to do what she said do. But if you had questions about why, mm-hmm. you could ask that after you did what she did and then or did what she asked you know us to do. And then growing older, I think... Me and my sister have different relationships with my mom because there's an 11-year gap. So the mommy that she knew and the mommy that I know are very different. Mm -hmm. And the daughter that she is and the daughter that I am are very very different. So I'm a bit more honest and blunt with my mom than my sister is. So we have very real, like, mommy, okay, you're going to tell me about me, but I'm also going to tell you about you, (laughs) you know, conversations. Mm -hmm. And she, more often than not, is, is... open to that sometimes she'll be like no and she'll come back and say you know what I thought about it and you were right Mm. and and as a child like as a daughter hearing Mm. that coming from this woman that I think has the infinite you know wisdom Mm -hmm. still has is a flawed human it's almost like a uh, what would you say? It's almost like um, she's saying, I honor your wisdom too. Mm. Yeah, it's super validating. That's when, the word. Yeah, yeah, when an adult validates a child's train of thought, 
Because sometimes, I, I mean, I have conversations with my four-year-old cousin on a regular mm. basis. And they know. And the things know. that come out of their mouths. It's, and, it's, and it's invaluable to him when I said, that was a really great idea. Or, like, I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that with me. And so, especially for a mother. Because you have to do what your parents tell you to do. For you to be able to come to her and ask the questions, the what with the why. Mm-hmm. For her to hear you and then to come back and validate your feelings or your thoughts mm-hmm. is priceless so and if you read text like right now i'm reading this book on the spirit of intimacy which my mom gave me back in 2003 and i know that i read it before because i have notes but like 2003 to now my like where i am is way different but they talk about the spirit of our children and how uh in in the different ceremonies that are done before a child is born one in which they ask the child what its gift is because the belief among some African cultures is that the child tells you what the gift is. Mm. Um, they talk about how it's understood that you need to infuse, you, you like need to pour into the child as much as you can and reinforce their knowing because at the age of like five or six that's when the knowing starts to leave them because Mm. then they're they're being influenced by everything outside and especially if they grow up in african culture and then leave that culture say come to america Mm -hmm. it it's you know they are separated even more so so Mm -hmm. you do everything you can in their adolescence Mm -hmm. to just really validate their knowing Mm -hmm. and my mom believes that too you know she's like we are we are our purest when we are youngest when we are the youngest Mm -hmm. we know all the things and also if you believe in reincarnation then we really know all the things yeah so yeah that's beautiful all right we are did we do it hey we did 35 minutes that's That's not bad that's not bad at all so i just really want to sincerely thank you because for all the folks out there i'd been asked for a while to do a podcast never really thought that i could add value in this landscape there are so many podcasts um and so my thing is like i'm not going to come to the table unless i feel like i have fruit to contribute Mm -hmm. and i didn't really feel that i had that but then uh, you know the spark was lit by someone and i said okay I can talk about what I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came to you and was like, okay, you do this already. So tell me if you think this is valuable. Can you help me? And you were like, yep, mm-hmm. let's do it. Yep. And yep. then when? Now we here. What you need to do? Now we here. And we are. So, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud you. of you. I appreciate that you're, you don't hoard your gifts. Mm. And that you allow yourself to be used as the vessel for so many people and so many platforms. Like you, you have so much to give this world and so much to show this world. And the way that you connect with people, all the people, I think is is inspiring. And so I'm glad that you. But understand, and I believe that this is now going to take us into the subject matter for our, our episode two. I did for what am I? I'll be 36 this September for 35 years, or if you want to say from my 20s, you know, until now. So for 15 years, I did hoard my gifts. I did. Ran like gifts 
click, click, click coming at me. And I'd be like, nah. So I did. But you're here now. I am. That's what I want to acknowledge. Thank you. That you're here. We just need to get to it sometimes. And you got to it. And you've been continuing to get it get into and, the money and you know the get 30s the gifts. get real juicy so this i just listen say that one more time more juicy the more 30s 30s which is why 30s. when i hear somebody's about to turn 30 i'm like hmm. <laughs> let me tell you something <laughs> stay ready stay re- protect your neck, <laughs> neck protect, protect your, your neck it's not a game and with that i will sign off Thank you to everyone who's listened and received. Um, Like the disclaimer says, share freely, mind irresponsibly. And that means just the the gems are free. And gems is in wisdom and knowledge is power. And one of the things that we need to consistently do is share what we know so that others too can know it all right i'm gonna stop talking now signing off thanks everybody